two-for-one episode. We're doing uh, Rumors and Prom Queen. And I have two delightful ladies with me. Uh, Mel, who you can find her at uh, 47Mel47 on Tumblr, and Allianne. Hello. Hi. All right. So, yeah, um, let's jump right into uh, Rumors. And um, all of Rumors. Uh, uh, this episode is Based on uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors album. Mm. And, um, yeah. Anybody Fleetwood Mac fans? Uh, fans of a few of their songs. I sort of, I probably know the, the popular ones that everybody knows. So, I quite like the music in this episode. Um, That's good. I thought they did well with it. Um, they, they sound very nice. I wish I was a bigger Fleetwood Mac fan. I'm I'm not a huge one, but... I think they did a really good job with the, the songs in this episode. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, so this is based around rumors. This We get our first fondue for two scene here. <laughs> it's which is Love it. Right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Jimmy, I thought I was in the research that we only ever got seven episodes of it. We only ever got to see that seven times. Really? Yeah. It feels like more. Yeah. I kind of wish we did get it a little bit more. Maybe like yeah. a web series that went along with the TV show. That could have been fun. Oh, that would have been hilarious. Well, and I'm really sad. I think, except for the one exception of Will, I think there was only women that went on the show. Um, <gasps> but I'm sad we never got Kurt or Blaine on, on Fondue for two. <laughs> oh, that would have been fantastic. Especially Kurt and Brittany with their, yeah. their little thing, whatever it is that they have going on. Yeah. Did you see like Kurt like being really concerned about the cat eating the cheese or something? <laughs> <laughs> so. I think that's the first time we see um Lord Cummington too. Could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mhm. Eating that cheese. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, jumping in though. Um yeah, this is there's so many this is a big 
you know, this is a big Sam episode. There's a big Brittany and Santana stuff going around. There's a lot of Finchel and Quinn. And do you guys know what Finn and Quinn's shipper name is? Um, um isn't it? Was it? I see it written as like Quinn some in some places, like F U I double N. I don't know whether they ever actually it's have fun. I don't know. I started calling them Fudson because I thought that was funny. Oh, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> because it was hurting my brain. But I was a little fried when I did the meta for this. So, um, <laughs> and yeah, I think it's um, Kurt shows up in our first uh, um, choir room scene. And this is when um, everybody, I think Finn is upset about something going on with the newspaper and Santana comes in with she's all mad because Brittany said she plays for the other team <laughs> I like how she's like you couldn't think of a better way to put that <laughs> and yeah and, and he's just, Kurt, he's, yeah. just sitting there oh, oh, taking it in I like, I like Sue's motto for the, for the newspaper like uh, if I heard it it's probably true or something <laughs> <laughs> that's journalism uh, yeah Yep, that that's kind of well. It speaks to journalism these days. Man. Yeah, it does. Um, and I, you know, Kurt is usually kind of a gossip queen, but here he's like staying out of it. So I'm assuming he's already knows what's going on with uh, Sam. Yeah, he would have been much more interested in what was being said in the choir room at that time mm-hmm. if he didn't already know. Yep. Um, it was yeah. He's just taking it in. Not yep. ooh, I can use this. <laughs> No. Well, and I think he knows at this point to kind of keep his distance from Santana. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I really want to just take a second and and talk about what he's wearing in the scene because it is a denim shirt with a bow tie. <laughs> I didn't even pick up that. No, I because I'm I, I screen cap it all the time, and I'm like I have never noticed it before, and I'm like, wait a minute, is he wearing a bow tie? Yeah. It, Kind of crazy. So does that mean Blaine's already having some influence in his attire? No, or it's actually, he, or does he influence Blaine? Yeah, like I, it's up until Blaine start until season three, and it really starts with Blaine with the the uh, bow ties and polos. Kurt wears bow ties all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I noticed later on in the episode that he was wearing the same shirt from from duets from the choir room scene when he like states his claim originally on Sam. Oh. And I want, you know, is that sort of some sort of connection to his friendship with Sam or whatever that was? So sort of, that's what I picked up. Oh, I like that. I never noticed that, but I like that. That green checkered thing. <laughs> yeah, that's... Okay, so yeah, in the next choir room scene we get with it. Yeah, a lot of... Rumors is mostly background scenes, mm-hmm. which is, you know, pick it going through this one real quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, he is wearing that checkered thing from Duet. I never noticed that. That's really kind of cool. Hmm. Um, and April Rhodes is back and has nothing to do with Kurt. So, yeah, she's there. Um, and um, a couple background things I noticed. First of all, uh, Kurt and Ashley, Chris and Ashley are sitting together, which is the only time they really get to on the show mm-hmm. before she leaves. And there's not really... It would have been interesting to have some kind of Kurt and Lauren story. Yeah. But, but we never get that. They all run in different circles, don't they? Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt, yeah. Lauren a makeover could be interesting. Mm. Going with our theme of rumors for a minute, I 
swear I heard this at one point, and who knows how true this is, but um, I thought that before Ashley was let go of the show, um, which is also a rumor, I don't know what happened there, but something, and she was let go, um, she was going to have a plot line with Kurt, and I was wondering, I wonder if originally, before they let her go, if she was supposed to do the... Um, the season three student council, student president, uh, if she was going to run his campaign or something. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah. Those two going head for head. That would have <laughs> been interesting to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I know, because, you know, when you, there's only background moments, I get really gr- nitty gritty on details and whatever. Um, in the scene where he's wearing the checkered shirt, his shirt is unbuttoned like halfway down. And I know, like, people give uh, joke about Chris doing that. And I'm like, wow, this is way before, like, I'm like, jeez, dude, button up your shirt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> He's enjoying the performance. Yeah. I oh, wonder yeah. wonder if it's more Chris enjoying Kristen rather than yeah. Kurt enjoying April. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> like, on his face and the... I don't, he's always kind of teared up, but yeah, I, I don't know how much Kurt really... Well, because, like, the next time April comes back is in um, is in the 100 episode, and he's, like, not amused with her at all. No. Yeah. He's not really, so... Well, she's offering him alcohol there, and after the last time she offered him alcohol, <laughs> that didn't end well. No. <laughs> no. All right, so... Uh, why am I echoing? Hold on. I don't want to echo... So, um, we get Finchel staking out, which is funny to me. Um, they're following Sam around. And, um, the other big rumor, um, was that, um, a long time ago, at the beginning of season three, uh, Sam was rumored to be, um, uh, he was going to be Kurt's boyfriend, and then they changed that for who, you know, mm-hmm. because it's chemistry with Quinn, or because they didn't want to do the doc coming out storyline or what who knows um who knows what is true and what is not um but this episode was rumored to be written so that the all those people who were shipping kurt and sam um so the writers could say no that is not going to happen okay i knew i knew the rumor that there was a this is the thought that sam was going to be the boyfriend when he was introduced um but not the one about this episode being to squash that. If the purpose was to squash that, then it's done a good job because, like, they've, there was clearly nothing going on between the two of them. Yeah, but there was a lot of fandom drama around that time about, I don't know, ship wars and stuff. It oh, wasn't okay. funny. It was. But, I wasn't really part of fandom till like, early season four, so mm-hmm. I must have missed all of that fun. <laughs> Oh, but you had all the season four fun. That that's some. <laughs> oh, that was yeah, that was great. <laughs> what a crazy time to come into this mess. <laughs> um, yeah, and the um, shipper name for Kurt and Sam is Come. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really, guys. <laughs> no. So yeah, they always call themselves the Comers, and I was always like, oh my god. <laughs> so well, if so, if it was the other way around, it would be Search. Which is the name that Kurt's character is given in Rachel's TV show originally. How fun. (laughs) 
No. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, there really isn't, I mean, there's such a lack of chemistry in this little scene, too. I mean, it's supposed to be played off as, ooh, maybe Kurt, like, had a quickie with Sam in a motel, and now he's like, thank you, yeah. goodbye. Pat <laughs> you on the shoulder. Good job. <laughs> and yeah. Lots of chemistry. It's just, you can just see it, like, oozing. There's no it's other explanation. It's just so obvious. Yeah. And I love Finn and Rachel are so aghast. <laughs> like, how could you do this to Blaine? Oh. It's it's sad that none of them actually you know, this whole episode now that I think of it, nobody goes to actually talk to Sam about it. No. They they just like accuse Quinn and Finn and, and sorry, Quinn and Kurt of, you know, fooling around with other people. They're just Rachel and Finn are kinda of awful in this episode in terms of just yeah. and it's like ugh. Obviously, you know, the writers are trying to set it up. They want us to support them because they obviously see them as the couple at the end and things like that. Yet, you know, they're sneaking around and they're spying and it's just like, really? Is this really the way to get us to sort of support them as a couple, to want Ben to break up with Quinn so that you two can be together when you're behaving like this? It's just sort of like, really? Um and it's quite funny because when we get into the next episode, like Prom Queen, I actually really quite like Rachel in that episode. It's quite sort of a contrast yeah. in the way that she sort of goes about things in her very Rachel way. <laughs> yeah, they do kind of like ping pong Rachel's character mm-hmm. uh, to extremes because sometimes she's so ambitious and single-minded that she's kind of awful. And then other times she can show a little bit of compassion for mm-hmm. people She's not always consistently written. Nobody's <laughs> no. always 100%. Like, she's 100% or nothing. It's mm-hmm. Whatever she does, it's always extreme. Yeah. So that's at least that's consistent, in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, and then we get to uh, Kurt's one scene with dialogue, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is where, where Rachel goes to confront him after she sees... Um, Sam wearing his hemp jacket from Monday. <laughs> Do you remember the day he, he wore it? Like the year before? It was in April. <laughs> um, yeah. But the thing is, he's so would. He would have, for every single random holiday, he would have some sort of specific outfit to wear. <laughs> like all of those little crazy days during the year, he will have something to wear. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame we didn't get to see more of that. I, I yeah. know there was a thing going around where... We were there was a um, what Kurt's summer wardrobe might have looked like. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And all the interesting shorts in there. <laughs> and the, I'm like, yeah. Why didn't we get to see them all during the summer? Gosh darn it. Yep. They're always very clothed. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I love this how she just comes at him and is just like you know. Uh, he's reading something when the scene starts, and she's like, "You need to stop it." And he's like, "Stop!" It doesn't even look up and acknowledge her. <laughs> oh, no, how I've missed your insanity! <laughs> <laughs> and I lo- like his locker is open. There's this obvious shrine to Blaine there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's like, "Don't cheat on Blaine," and he's like, "Really?" <laughs> I love, I love how he just doesn't react to her to her rumors at all. Like he just completely ignores it. <laughs> And then his little sort of speech at the end that he he shoots her down with, the look at the end of it is oh, like yeah. the look. exact same look that he gives her at the end of the Truth Time talk in season four. Yep. It's like, <laughs> love it. 
It's like that little head shake. Like, <laughs> let's not even do this. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Try and come but, back to that. Uh, and he's he's being, you know, good to, a good friend to Sam and keeping Sam's secret. And I like that he throws it back at Rachel by talking about, you know, one thing that might get to her head that it's supposed to be about the music. We should be, you know, practicing for nationals. I mean, he was excited to come back from Dalton so that he can, you know, do nationals. And they're all busy with all these rumors. And, oh, that reminds me. Um, the funny thing to me about this episode is that Born This Way was the previous one. And it was all about love and acceptance and being, you know, accepting of yourself and the people around you. And this one is so nasty. Like, everyone's yeah. mad at each other and yelling at each other. And I, I wonder if they were really trying to capture this whole rumors vibe where they're, you know, they just concentrate on the music, like Fleetwood Mac. But I just think it's funny. Yeah. So, sort of, yeah, what your notes before about Kurt, it's like both Kurt and Quinn are just really, really awesome for the way that they protect Sam throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. Like with everything that's thrown at them, in particular Quinn, because she cops it a bit more than Kurt does. Um, not once do they sort of say a word about it, sort of just sort of how strong they are or protective they are of Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. says a lot about them yeah, and their character, like their strength and character. And I, I to speak to Quinn's character, I think that she gets crapped on a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's not my favorite character by any means, but I, I do think she's trying to be honorable here. Yeah. And, um, and I love that in, like, a scene way earlier in the episode, she they're talking about Sam. They're all in this little group, to, you know, talking about rumors. And... Um, and she says, you know, I, d- I know that Kurt would not do that to Blaine. And it, it cracks me up a little bit because, like, how would she really even know that, even though I know it's, it's because she knows the secret and yep. whatever. <laughs> when has she had anything to do with Kurt and Blaine? Yep. <laughs> does she even know Blaine at this point? Like. <laughs> well, he was there and, and blaming on the alcohol, but, yeah. you know, he was busy making out with Rachel at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I also should also want to mention really quickly, um, during the fondue tube for two, isn't this the, the episode where Tina's like, oh, and that, you know, rumor about right. Asian men? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was in the very first one. Yeah. Somebody's getting some loving on the side there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of funny. Kurt's one, you know, I know he's got, he's getting like all of these really big episodes, like every other episode. So this one, his little dialogue scene is kind of small, but yeah. Meaningful. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the little look, as we talked about. I mean, as he slams his doors, like, no, I'm not yep. doing this with Rachel. Yeah. I have I have a real love-hate relationship with Hummelberry, with Kurt and Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, moment, you know, moments like that, I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do, too. And as um, I'll probably get into way more uh, with the Hummelberry stuff when we get into season three and season four. Yeah. My yeah. issue has always been the, the writing of it <clears throat> more so than their friendship itself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just they hadn't made it so one-sided is what yeah. it boils down to. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have lots of things to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, feel free to share them at any point. Yes. <laughs> um, so we get into Finn and Quinn, I think, only duet of the show, which is the most it's passionless and... They're, they're just running the motions of this thing. Except for they look like they want to kill each other during it. 
And there's just like <laughs> awkwardness from everyone in the they're in the choir room, sort of just sitting and watching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I don't remember who points out that Sam's not there, but then you know all of these rumors fly up and. Hardy says something about, you know, he can't be a cheater accomplice because Kurt and Quinn are there. And Kurt's face is yeah. like, <laughs> He makes a comment about them doing the dirty. Sam, like, yeah, that he can't be doing the dirty with them because Kurt and Quinn are currently there. And it was just, and it was just death stare from Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and poor Kurt's not even getting it from Blaine yet. I mean, <laughs> what an obnoxious thing for Artie to assume already, you know? Uh, Adi, Adi, Adi. And then, oh gosh, I don't even remember what happens, but there's a whole bunch more stuff, and then we get another choir room scene. Mm-hmm. And um, again, you know, they accuse Sam of fooling around with Kurt, and Kurt again, like, has this look, like, come on, like, yeah. stop dragging me into this. <laughs> but I kind of and- love that uh, Sam. Sam is obviously upset about the rumors but not about that specific rumor like that he's fooling around with Kurt he's not bothered by it. I think a lot of the male characters would react differently to that but Sam never had a problem with like the gay or anything right in the very beginning when he uh, when when um Finn told him not to sing a duet with with Kurt and he just for Sam it was never about Kurt being gay or anything and also later with his friendship with Blaine when Blaine tells him he had a crush on him, and Sam's like, yeah, of course, I'm hot. Like, I would be friends <laughs> if you didn't. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I've never thought about that before, yeah. though, in re- in relation to this. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that, too. I like that Sam, it just, homosexuality is just not an issue with him. Yeah. No. He's just a good guy. Yeah. He is. Really good guy. Um, sort of what got me in this sort of scene where they all turn around and are attacking him, you know, throwing the questions at him. She, she sort of like starts questioning him as well, doesn't stop it. He sort of, um, you know, he doesn't actually stop it. He, in fact, starts questioning Sam also. So how are they helping you, Sam? And it's sort of like, dude, that's, that's not what a teacher does in a situation like that. No. <laughs> you, you stop them from talking to each other that way. You... We are already in season two, and the list I have time <laughs> Will failed as a teacher. How many pages was that list? Just I try, I try not to. Like sometimes I'll be writing things, and I'm like, oh, am I just trying to find the negative in regards to his character, or is this just actually the case? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to actually look to find it. It's just all over the place. It's just, just all over the place. Like you don't encourage rumors. It's like there are rumors. Okay, like. Let's all talk about this right now in front of everyone. And at the same, yeah, and at the same time, um, what the big chunk that I think we skipped over was the the Brittany Santana stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Santana's obviously going through some stuff because this is where, you know, they are. I mean, it's been an ongoing thing for season two that Santana's trying to deal with her feelings with with um, Brittany, and and Will doesn't even notice any of that is going on. I mean. <laughs> Where they might need uh, an authority figure to talk to, I don't think Will would be a great one for that anyway, but, you know. Yeah. Well. No. Meanwhile, um, it's kind of funny. Sam mentions that Kurt finds out because he delivered some pizza mm-hmm. to um, to uh, Dalton. And I have to uh, 
thoughts about this. One um, is Blaine then is at a boarding school and Blaine's actually living there and that's why he's getting pizza delivered there. Um, and two, how big is the radius of this pizza place? <laughs> There's also the question, did it happen when Kurt was still a student at Dalton? Because he's only been back at McKinley. He only returned the previous episode. Right. So, you know, it could have even, that even raises further questions. Did Kurt board at Dalton as well as that, because we don't actually know the timing of when this pizza pizza was delivered. <laughs> let's think. Let's let's analyze the pizza. <laughs> I, I feel like you know I, they could have just said he went to Kurt's house, and it would have made way more sense. But they had to but throw then, it out at Dalton. But then, and Finn, I, would Finn know if it was? Yeah, they lived together. That's, oh, that's probably why they did that. Yeah, that's oh. okay. That makes sense. All right, writers, I'll give you credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we were joking around in, in one of the earlier podcasts about how um, the, the writers just didn't care about geography because Westerville from Lima in in Ohio is about a, a two hour drive. Okay. And um, uh, yeah, no. So we were thinking like, is Westerville like fifteen minutes away in this world or something? Because <laughs> the amount of traveling just seems really easy. And granted, New York's just a, you know train stop away. So I just assumed that. Westerville and Lima were fairly close to each other. You know, I'm on the other side of the world. I didn't really feel the need to look up maps <laughs> to enjoy Glee. So I had sort of didn't realize no. how <laughs> far away they were until I started looking up on the internet. Yeah, I don't really, when I read it in fic or something, it doesn't even bother me. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's not exactly, you know, but whatever. It's all about I mean, it's it's in the show that they just travel back and forth all the time, so it doesn't really bother me in fic because it's canon it's just it's there you can i mean if the show can do it then everyone can <laughs> and distance obviously doesn't exist in the glee universe so maybe they can i don't know teleport or something yeah well um and then the last number of this episode is don't stop and and right before this will is announcing that he might be moving to new york to do broadway because that was one of the rumors but <laughs> no not really why, why why get our hopes up, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I can actually, in his, um, this is probably one of the few times, his conversation with Emma when he's talking about wanting to stay for the kids, like mm-hmm. he really wants to go but wanting to stay for the kids. Like as a teacher myself, I can actually mm-hmm. sort of empathise with that, sort of mm-hmm. when you have that sort of special class and you want to continue on with them and things like that, um, that does keep you in places. Yep. So... Um, yes, his relationship with these students went beyond teacher-student relationships. Um, I, I would never ask one of my students to be my, you know, maid of honour, even when I ever get married. But um, I could, I can sort of empathise that conversation that he had with Emma, you know, where he's like, I really, really want to go, but I feel like I can't. I can right. actually empathise with him there. Yeah. I felt yeah. that myself. Not that, I, not that I've been offered Broadway, but... Um, <laughs> Um, uh, one thing um, I wish the show I kind of like a moment like this because the show usually presents teaching as a as the stereotype of I failed as something else so I'm going to teach and I hate that Mm -hmm. knowing Mm -hmm. quite a few teachers in my life who love teaching and are so passionate about it and love kids Um, I've never really liked that kind of rhetoric that you know, yeah. you just do teaching because you can't do something else. I, I, so that's not that's not the best 
thing to to tell people. It's just no. I mean, people become teachers for other reasons. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I think do we have one teacher? I mean, we don't see that many teachers who's who wants to be a teacher. Sue kind Emma, of does I mean, and Emma likes it, but neither of them are real teacher. Te- like, what does Sue actually teach other than you know uh, cheerleading? Like, she's just a coach, but like. Most of the time, the athletic directors even aren't really He's got wandering around the school. Ricky mm-hmm. Martin's character in season three. Oh yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. definitely showed more passion to the job. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, but there's also like, and it's not only sort of the that they've failed. There's this sort of um, running theme of like in them being incompetent, and that's sort of what drives a lot of the stories, like the fact that this newspaper was allowed to be published in this school and was allowed to continue to be published in this school. Um, You know, that stems from the incompetence of of the staff involved. And in the next episode, which we'll get to, you know, there's a pretty major thing that a teacher does that would never, ever, 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 ever happen. Um, And that seems to be sort of like... Like that, the, that's something that the writers will sort of fall back on to let to get stories to happen. Yep. And it's just like, ugh. Surely there's other ways that you can you can do this and get this around. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I do think um, it's nice that they show Finn in season four and later Sam in season six yep. going to teaching and and both really enjoying it and like what they do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I appreciate that. And then I think Coach Beast. Likes what what they're doing, and so right, yeah. So. All right. Well, um, uh, the only other thing I have to say about rumors is uh, Kurt's dancing is adorably <laughs> awkward. <laughs> it, it, I mean, all of these, you know, all of these um, fix make him out to be this graceful swan in his movements, oh, and he he's is not. Like, just is not. He's not. Yeah, notes is like written. He's Kurt's kind of running man dance move things that he's doing throughout this yep. <laughs> this number and doing weird flicks and uh, I mean so he's not as bad as Finn but he can't dance he's not a good yeah. dancer <laughs> just not no and but I don't think, I mean never he doesn't seem to be trying either at any point but and he's not like horrible but he's not Mr Graceful Swan either no so. no he's so much fun when he does it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but that is the cool thing. I mean, then you're you're just drawn, or at least I am. You know, you watch him in the background, and he's just doing these crazy things, and you're just, you know, if you know Brittany and 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 and, um, and Mike aren't doing something really cool up front, you can just wander back there because, wow, what is going on with that kid back there? <laughs> Except um, there was a piano, and he didn't end up on top of it during this bar. Oh, that's weird. Mm. <laughs> watching for that and it didn't happen <laughs> no. uh, so do you guys have any other comments you want to talk about rumors before we move on to our the main event um, not really no the only thing is, is I would like to, when, to know why the fandom didn't adopt Tina Ko and Chang Chang as Tina and yeah. Mike's ship name instead of Tyke <laughs> yeah. when they were discussing yeah. the ship name like Tina Ko and Chang Chang like I like that <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to say. It should be. It sounds musical. Yeah, you can make a song out of it, like "Chitty Chitty Bang Bang" or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so moving on to prom queen, which is another favorite of season two. I love mm-hmm. the back half of season two so much. Yeah. There's so much really good 
juicy storylines in here. And not just Kurtz, but all around, I think they did a really phenomenal job um, with all of season two, really, but the, yeah. this back half is just filled with a lot of really great stuff. Yeah. So, um, so it's prom time, and you know, something we were talking about when we were doing an original song is that, um, you know, looking back, I mean, I'm older, and I'm like, prom is such a non-entity. It, it, I'm like, it's such a small little moment, and it doesn't mean much, but at the time, when you're a teenager, these moments can seem bigger, and because um, all of this prom queen stuff, everybody's, you know, Quinn just vying for the prom queen mm-hmm. spot, and Santana wanting, you know, to secure her image with prom queen and everything, and you know, 15 years down the road, it's not going to matter, but mm-hmm. here it does. Well, that was a sort of that was a question that I've sort of got written down because we don't have proms here. Mm-hmm. Um, we have school formals and things like that, but not things with prom queens and kings and all that sort of stuff. And, and I'm like, is this actually this big of a thing in oh. the US? Well, because I sort of watch it and go, yeah, I was wondering the same thing because we don't have it either, and it's just, I don't know, it looks weird to me, but yeah. Oh, sure. First of all, I think that's awesome. I love having um, international people come in and tell, you know, because Americans are so weird in our... (laughs) This is ridiculous. Okay. Um, Well, they're usually two times a year, and I can't speak for all... Because, interestingly, it is different in the different regions of America. Um, In our... In my... Midwest, in the Midwest, which is where I'm from, um, it's kind of a, a thing. It's like a popularity contest. Yeah. Um, homecoming, which was there's a homecoming in fall, homecoming or people, you know, some kind of harvest fest or something um, in the fall, and prom was always in the spring. And um, for us, homecoming was the bigger thing. Um, basically, it, you picked a court, and you usually it was the popular kids who got to be on the court, and it was a lot like a political thing. Um, it, in fact, it was usually it was bigger than the student council stuff. Hmm. And um, so all the really popular kids kind of like, and not so much in my school, but um, I do know it was something that happened um, that, it, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to be uh, more so on the court than actually getting the crown, but I want to, you know, it was a status symbol. And um, on the day of the football game for homecoming or at prom, you would we'd get to vote for who you wanted to be your king and queen. And they make a big show out of it. It's like you get a crown, and at homecoming we got, like, these cape things. And, you know, um, you kind of showed off, and the marching band played for you. and Or you got a special dance at, at prom. And it is a cultural thing, like, for teenagers, you know, they people market for it. Prom dresses are a huge thing. Um, when you go into any retailer in the spring, it's finding the right prom dress. There's a lot of uh, pressure. A lot of more of it I see in in our media, in yep. um, on TV or in books. It's like you have to find the right guy. You got to find the right date. You have to you know find the right look. You want to try and be prom queen. So it's really kind of a status thing in America. Um, not so much in the school that I went to because I was in a very, very tiny high school, but that's our, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's as bad Americans, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, see that in so many films and television shows and it's like, is this an exaggeration or is this how it actually is? 
this episode is, or the the prom queen stuff um, in Glee, and I wish I had somebody else here um, that would be able to, who had a different uh, upbringing than I did, um, is slightly exaggerated. I don't know if, um, and we'll get to more of, of this when we get there, but I don't think, first of all, there would never be enough write-ins for somebody to... Yep. Um, you know, the popular kids would win. It was usually predictable who would win. Um, and it's not like they made such a big spectacle of it here, which is understandable for drama purposes. And like Quinn going a little bit crazy, um, was a little bit exaggerated. Um, it's like, a, I don't know. It's, it happened so fast and it's just a short lived thing because in teenage world, there's already somebody else that's doing something that, you know, yeah. if you're prom queen and that weekend, it's a big deal. And then by Monday, it's something else. Was it queen, um, queen's quote, you can get married as many times you want, but you only get right. one shot at junior prom. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, um, I will say something that was brought up again, uh, in a couple of podcasts ago was the fact that for somebody like Quinn, this is all that she has. Like mm-hmm. she, she is such a in a place where she just doesn't think so much of herself that she thinks that her life is going to be this really kind of cut and paste soccer momish selling real estate life, and this is her one time to shine. And that is kind of truthful to American small towns mm-hmm. that um, there is this rhetoric of if you are a big high school star, you probably that's what you're known for the rest of your life and you live in your small town and you marry your high school sweetheart and by 22 you have three kids and that is what you do for the rest of your life and mm-hmm. around town people will like remember that game where you threw the winning uh touchdown and um back in 1972 and that's it you know and 40 years later that's all they remember you for and mm-hmm. so that is a thing that really does happen in small town america though okay I can't speak really much for what happens in ur- more urban areas, but yeah, there we go. U.S. Uh, culture 101 today. <laughs> there we go. So, so you guys don't, do you guys have anything that's similar or is there? We, the highest, like secondary colleges around where I am, they do deb balls, so debutante balls, um, but it's just, they wear a fancy dress for a night, do a couple of ball dances, boring dances, and then head off to the after party is really what that is about. Um, we have, they'll be formal, so like a year 10 formal or year 12 formal. Um, but it's certainly, I mean, it might be in other areas, but from what I can understand, it's not to the extent where people are being voted in certain roles. It's you put on a nice dress, get your hair done, go dance for a few hours, and then go get ridiculously drunk at the after party is pretty much what happens here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we have, like, just after graduation, we have, we have nothing nothing like that at all. It's just, like, um, you you, get, you graduate, your entire class has, has one event, but it's only for the people graduating, and nobody gets voted. It's not, not like <laughs> that at all. You just dress up, you go there, and... and there aren't any teachers there or anything. It's just like a party. So mm-hmm. it's nothing like that, really. Yeah, prom usually has, like, a ton of chaperones. There's a lot of parents around. There's a lot of teachers around because it's put on by the school. Um, but afterwards, that's, 
you know, like any teenage function, um, you know, kids go out and they get drunk or do whatever, go do the after party, which is at somebody's house who lives with their older brother and no parents around and there's bowls of condoms or something. And (laughs) yeah, Um, no, that's the thing that really happens. (laughs) Um, uh, I was not cool enough to go to those parties. I, at my prom, um, we, um, I, I, ended up just going back home and playing video games until we all passed out. So. Oh, I didn't go to mine either, to my, uh, my like, um, graduating party because, I don't know, I, I wasn't a different kind of group of punk rock people back then. We just, we didn't care or we didn't want to care. We were too cool to go. So, yeah, <laughs> we had our own party. You know, and, and now that I think of it, I don't know if this is something that is brought up in either of your guys' cultures, but in America also... Um, and something that Glee doesn't really bring up, I'm kind of fascinated they didn't do this with anything. Um, another thing associated with prom is the loss of virginity. Um, prom was also a big deal because by the end of prom, you were supposed to be with that one person and then you were supposed to have sex for the first time. Oh. And that was always a big thing. And the thing that reminded me that of that is actually um, the right after prom, we all went to our local grocery store, which was open 24-7. And we were in our in our dresses, and it was me and my my girlfriends. And um, this guy, it was like two in the morning, and this guy who was obviously like homeless or something, he's like, "Oh, don't you guys look pretty tonight?" And we're like, "Okay, thank you." And he's like, "Hope you all get laid." Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, time to leave. Yeah. So that it, it yeah, it's kind of funny. They're really that this sticks with the whole status and prom queen stuff and not really about sex. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Spiking the punch, which is also like here, uh, nobody would spike the punch because the uh, legal drinking age is 18, so uh, uh. we just have alcohol there for everyone. It's just, you wouldn't have to spike the punch if there's already alcohol in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, boy. Oh, these cultural differences are really awesome, though. I love, like, I like these things, talking about this. Um... Uh, yeah, no, there's, again, at prom, um, not so much, I know, people don't really, there's not really punch to spike, I mean, like, you'll have a buffet and somebody is, like, or, no, you get, like, a sit-down meal, um, or at least at my prom we did, we didn't have a buffet, we had a a sit-down meal, um, but a lot of the drinking didn't start until after prom was over, because it is a school function, technically, so. Mm. Yeah, no, that's still true, I had my year 10 formal one of the guys snuck in a bottle. He got caught and suspended. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I remember homecoming um, one year, because there's a big dance at homecoming time, too. Um, The girls of the court all actually, all of them except for one, who was the one, the one was my friend, um, also uh, all got caught for drinking and driving, like, the night before. So they were all suspended. So my friend actually won the uh, crown because the rest of them were suspended. And it was this huge ordeal. Like, how dare you pick them off the court? And it's like, well, they were, you know, they got a DUI. And part of the uh, rules is that you can't, you know, have that kind of thing on your record and stuff like that. So wow. drinking age is so funny because I don't know it's it's 21 in America, isn't it? Yeah, because it's you you can buy beer when you're 16. Oh. And just like we went on on a school trip with our with our math teacher and he bought us beer. It's just we <laughs> <you> were 17. <laughs> yeah, and that that would be such a huge, That would be 
such a huge deal in and America. And he, he bribed us because he wanted to go on a hike with us and we didn't want to. So he said, okay, if you go on this hike with me today, I'll buy you all a beer tonight. And it's completely legal because we're 17. Yep. So it's not a See, and that would be so many, you'd hear that in the news, you know, teach yourself kid beer <laughs> would be... Or get, get, it would be a huge I mean, thing. And if he hadn't bought it, we would have bought it ourselves because we could. Right. Because <laughs> you could. Yeah. I know. Sometimes the the big thing about um, American culture from 18 to 22 in the college years, again, Glee doesn't explore this very much, which is kind of interesting, um, is that people go crazy with drinking and parties and whatnot because they're not allowed, quote unquote. And. Um, I think some of that stigma would go away if if our drinking age was lower. But I don't know. I, mean, I don't know why. I mean, our drinking age is 18, and so it just means that they're underage drinking at 15 and 16. Like, it, they'll just start doing it young. Like, there's always going to be... Yeah. 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 And here it's also like beer at 16 and, and everything else is 18. And so, um, I mean, you're still kind of a rebel if you drink wine at 17. <laughs> Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, now that we've had a, I like no, the culture lesson's really cool though because you, you know, we we kind of especially us stubborn Americans and we we kind of get in our own viewpoint and it's kind of cool to expand that and see how other people react. So, it'll be kind of fun to hear your guys' opinions as we go through this episode. Um um, so yeah, let's uh, we, we're jumping in, and the first scene that we get is actually that choir room scene, and uh, we're at the one where, um, uh, you know, Lauren talking about not finding a prom um, dress, and I, I will contest to this. One of the things, and even though I was actually much smaller in in high school than I am now, but um, they are geared towards thin women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kurt makes the the comment later on where you know it's like nobody out of size two um, looks good in a prom dress. They don't design them for larger girls um, very much, and there's very limited um, what you can pick from, which I think is unfortunate. Um, yeah. uh, and then Mercedes, who doesn't have a date, mm-hmm. yeah. and she's she's actually really upset about this. And, and yeah, understandably, I mean, I mean, it's all everyone talks about in the entire episode, and. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do like at this, you know, very beginning thing before uh Rachel goes off and talks to her that um that Kurt was gonna go and talk yeah. to her. And, you know, we talk a lot about Kurt and Mercedes kind of drifting apart in this um season, but I do think there is still a good friendship there and I still think that even if the focus isn't on it, he still cares about her and she cares about him and yeah, he does. Because when she says she's not going, he's the one. He's like, "Why not?" And he sounds really alarmed. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Why? You know, you need to be there. Um, so he's still concerned and and worried about her. Mm-hmm. And I do like. I talk a lot about um, fairy tales when I talk about the Clane story. Um, but this, you know, the fairy tale isn't just in in Kurt and Blaine's story in this episode. It's also Mercedes and Sam. Yeah. Because here's this girl, she's, you know, black and she's overweight and she is kind of alone. And this very handsome guy, by the end of the the episode, wants to dance with her and wants to be with her and kind of chooses her over Rachel, even though Rachel's having her own mess going on. Um, And and it's really sweet and romantic. And and I I don't think Sam Sadie's plot gets enough credit in this episode, so... 
Shout out it, to you. Yeah, yeah, it didn't even occur to me until I went back and started watching it. Like, this is where it started. Like, yeah. you know, from, from here to that, to the end of um, the New York episode. I'm like, oh, this is where it started. This is really cute. Mm. It's really cute. It's really sort of sweet yeah. to watch. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out, just because I relate to it, was Brittany saying, you know, I don't have a date. I'm going to go dance with everybody else's date. And that's that's just kind of what I did. I didn't go. Um, I didn't go with a date either of my proms. Um, but I everybody else that had a date, um, I date danced with all their dance, dates, <laughs> and it was fun. Nobody cared because there weren't very many like high school couples, maybe one or two, but not a whole lot. So well, your date was just kind of your date anyway. Um, and everybody danced with everybody else's date. So. <laughs> um. I'm, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry what were you gonna say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm glad they also throw that in there, too, that it, yeah. it's, you know, there, again, and it's mostly really in books and media and whatnot, that it's, you know, uncool to go alone to your prom, and I'm like, whatever, mm-hmm. just have fun with your friends, you know? Yeah. I was just going to sort of take us back to the Rachel and Mercedes just quickly, because oh, I sure. think there was a really sweet moment between the two of them, and the two yeah. of them actually had, let's put aside the start of season three away for the time being, they actually had a couple of really sort of sweet, nice moments throughout the season, like um, mm-hmm. the conversation yep. in Tested and things like yep. that. And it's like, sort of see it. I think Mercedes has this ability to sort of bring out the best in people. Yeah. 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 Um, because, you know, that that side of Rachel that we see with her in this scene and, and later on is a much, much softer, caring Rachel yep. than, mm-hmm. than we can get a lot of the other time. And well, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, sorry, no keep, you go. Oh, no, I was just going to add to your point that we see a lot in um, just when Kurt isn't picking up Rachel, it's Mercedes, mm-hmm. um, thinking about in the, the 100 New Directions episode in season five when they have their reprise of their um, their quote-unquote few, that really isn't a few, but mm-hmm. he, she picks up Rachel there all during season six. Mercedes is championing Rachel to go back to New York um, way back here in season two, like... We get, you know, in Night of Neglect, Rachel and Mercedes in in the car talking about, you know, not being against each other but supporting each other and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of little moments. And I'm glad that they're in there because uh, friendships between women on this show are not always the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have the two of them really kind of have each other's backs, uh, even when they're not always the best of friends um, or even when they're competing because uh, we will get that whole season three stuff coming up, but it is nice to see that it is in there. Yeah. 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 Um, and I thought it was also interesting in this scene, you know, she, Mercedes is, is, she's being so very, she's being vulnerable. She's upset and she's not feeling confident in herself, yet she's wearing this massive necklace that has her name on it. Mm-hmm. And it's like this sort of, it's like this almost mask of being confident. Which is yep. similar to Kurt, like he uses his clothes and things like that as yeah. a way to sort of show that he's he's stronger or more confident than he might actually be feeling. Mm-hmm. I just sort of that sort of jumped out at me that you know, that's a, you know to be, wear your wear your name on yourself um, sends a pretty big statement, and it's a definite contrast to how she's sort of actually feeling about herself at that yeah, I think- time. I think you're right. I, I, I like that um, ideolo- ideology. Oh, I can't talk. <laughs> um, 
and um, that she does kind of do something that Kurt does in, in that here these clothes are going to make the statements for her um, even when inside she's feeling insecure and she is and I think I don't think it gets talked out a lot about um, where Mercedes is lonely uh, quite a bit where her friends are off you know dating and whatnot and she's kind of standing on her own and kind of doing her own story for a lot of the series so I, I give her a lot of credit like not not only relationships but friendships like with Kurt I, yeah she she is lonely a lot sad <laughs> but i want to give mercedes a hug she's such a I, I i i think you guys are right that she's such a warm character and she makes those around her feel warm as well so. yeah all right so let's get into um the the first Kurt and blaine scene of this which is one of my favorite scenes <laughs> i think between the two of them because kurt is so giddy about he's nervous and giddy and he's going to ask blaine to prom and He never thought this was something that he was ever going to do, but here he is with this boy that he just adores and is, like, you know, so shy but earnest about asking Blaine to prom. And he calls him Blaine Warbler. And I was like, is that the first time that we, we hear that name? Because I know like, Brittany refers to him as that later on, but it's, it's Kurt the first time to actually call him Blaine Warbler. I, I think yeah. maybe Rachel said it in, okay. in Blame It on the Alcohol. Oh, yeah, blame yeah, Dad. Yeah, right. I'm going to rock yeah. when she's about to kiss him. Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> But I think this is the first time Kurt says, I think they didn't have Blaine Anderson yet. I don't think they knew um, his last name. No, because I think sort of going back reading fan fiction from around this time, like there's ones that existed where he had like completely different surnames. Yeah. Right. Which is like, weird to read. <laughs> Did you guys hear? I, I'm please. I, hopefully, I'm not making this up. Um, Darren had said um, recently, like within six months or a year or something, that Blaine had a different last name and he hated it. So he asked them to change it to Anderson. And it was something to do with like a college roommate of his, wasn't it? Yeah, that's I where think he got so. the name from. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not making that up. I just feel yeah, like crazy. Yeah, it was no, it was in an. It was one one of the things with Seth when he was doing with Seth Re, Re, Reduct. I don't know how to Reduxky. I can't even talk. It's Yeah. <laughs> should be I'm walking off on <laughs> It was one of those evenings that he was doing with him. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. one of the questions. And that's where he, he talked about Blaine and his name. Mm. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I like Anderson. I think it's a nice last name for him. Yeah. And I don't know. Have you guys ever seen... And I haven't actually seen this movie, but I think it's Pretty in Pink. Yeah, um, I've seen yeah. it. Yep, that's yeah. where the um, "What about prom, Blaine?" is line comes from because Molly Ringwald is going to prom and the Blaine is the popular guy. He's not the one that she actually like falls in love with or something, and um, he's like ditching her or something. And she's like, "What about prom, Blaine?" And I'm pretty sure that's why Blaine was named Blaine. Blaine. Um, oh, fun fact! I think his original name was Blair. Yeah, I, 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 I heard that too, but. Okay. Where does it no, come from? Anyway, so what about probably? What about probably? <laughs> <laughs> what about probably? The, the look on his face, like his world is about to come crashing down. Oh, well, I love it that they're holding hands yeah. and he's like, don't you want to go to prom with me? And he's like, oh, yeah, honey, honey, I do, I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's so, like his face just instantly falls when, when Blaine's hesitant and mm. so cute because he's so worried and... Yeah. Uh, no, we get, and this is the first time we really get 
more of Blaine's backstory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, we never really get more no. than just mentions and glimpses of his his backstory. Like as with like the, this whole Sadie Hawkins thing that he mentions here, and it is never really followed up apart from a quick mention with Tina in season four um, in that Sadie Hawkins episode. Yeah. Um, it's like we get a lot of blame. We get a lot of his character from season three onwards, but we don't yeah. necessarily get the details with him that we do with, say, Kurt. Yep. Um, what? Unfortunately, a little bit, because, you know, even with Cooper and his mom showing up, we don't get... There's still little tiny glimpses. They're not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's lucky that we have such an incredible fandom that's willing to fill in the gaps and flesh out the <laughs> and flesh yeah. out these characters. And and how much just uh derived from this one scene. Mm-hmm. I mean yeah. so many conclusions from, you know, he, he there was another gay guy that he knew and I, I don't necessarily know if they it doesn't sound necessarily like they were very romantically involved, yeah. but more so just, you know, clinging together because they were both gay. Yeah. And Blaine gets beat up, um, and, yeah. So he, he is, it's interesting, because he is, his whole demeanor during this episode is about feeling scarred, I guess, mm-hmm. from that moment. Mm-hmm. But after Prom Queen, I feel like Prom Queen is kind of like the healing salve of it. Because in Sadie Hawkins, he's like, I'm over it. Yeah. Whatever about it <laughs> so mm-hmm. but yeah and the thing that I really like about Kurt in this moment there is a bit of selfishness in these like you know what we can face our fears together you know but at the same time he doesn't say hey if you don't want to go I'll go and you just whatever he says we'll go see a movie yeah. so he will purposely the- like oh, go ahead yeah, no, I was just saying I love that because um I don't know, a lot of times, a lot of times, Kurt is um, portrayed, especially in fanfic, as this kind of ice queen. He's cold. He doesn't have feelings, and and he, it's not true. I mean, here he he would have gone to the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so like you know, you can tell sort of Kurt's disappointment at the thought of missing out on prom, but you know that he would give that up in a second to protect Blaine. Mm-hmm. And and then that's I suppose this, this episode really is a testament to what each of them are willing to do for one another, you know. For mm-hmm. what um, you know, we'll get into Blaine's side of it later on in the episode. But you know that Kurt in this moment, yes, he tries to work it in his favour, but he would never go ahead with that if Blaine didn't really didn't want to, and you just right. know that about them. Um, and that's really, I don't know, sweet of them, the two of them together, what they're sort of willing to do or to give up for the person mm-hmm. that they care about. Mm-hmm. I suppose that, you know, when we're talking about Kurt, we can connect that back to his relationship with Bert and, you know, giving up the Defying Gravity solo and, and things like that, that yep. he has these mo- these moments of selflessness. Yep. Yeah. And I always, um, in addition to that, I always kind of look at the his re, you know his uh, comparison to Rachel, where 
Rachel will always just go out and, and kind of like do the, what is best for Rachel. And Kurt does have this underlying empathy that he is willing to give up things that he really loves mm-hmm. so that he can protect the person that he loves. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, Blaine and his, you know, I adore you. I mean, that's, he does. He just, like, that is one reason that he just adores Kurt, because there is that compassion and empathy. And, and it's interesting in, in uh, Blame It and the Alcohol, when um, he's, when when Blaine says to Bert, you know, your son is okay. the most compassionate and moral person I've ever met. And you kind of, like, really? Really, Blaine? But in, in Blaine's eyes, he, he really sees that. And and I think yeah. that's another mm. thing here. And then um, I love Blaine or Kurt's little reaction when Blaine says he'll go, and he's like all kinky feet. <laughs> that little noise that he makes when he tilts his head back. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell he's already. He's like, okay, I'm getting you know plots for my outfit and what it's gonna be like, and we're gonna be amazing at prom, and he's just all 100 percent in. So yeah. All right, so the next scene we get is this bizarre, um, just because of the location, this, um, where they're trying on dresses. And I'm like, they're at the school. Why? Why? And there's a couch in there. Why? They're in the ticking room. They're in the first Yeah. (laughs) It must be just they had that set up that week for filming. Hey, let's just go here. It's so funny. I'm like, they're not even at a, like, store. It's not even tried to be made up as a store. It's, like, definitely, why are they not at somebody's house? Why are they, you know? And it's such a, you know, like, how did they get these dresses if they're, like, just trying them on? I I don't know. Why would Lauren even choose to put that dress on? Why would you put that dress and go, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to put this on. That's going to look good. Exactly. (laughs) Like, who talked her into that? I mean, who knows? And... It's such a bizarre... Cl- I mean, look, it's Tina, Santana, Brittany, and Lauren. Like, I don't see them hanging out all the time. But. No, really not. It's the only time I think this combination of people is in a room together without anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> and Kurt's, like, wearing this, like, astronaut sort of jumpsuit thing. I know, it's so weird. And he's a bum bag. <laughs> bum bag wearing white. But he's got skulls on his scarf, which... Well, like, yeah. or like you know, like skulls are kind of like I don't know. Is there meta available on Kurt and skulls, and when he has skulls? Because I know he wears it during growth term and all of that sort of stuff. I can't get into all of that. I wouldn't know where to I, start. Yeah, I don't know enough about fashion. I I pick out big things like whenever Kurt and Blaine's color schemes match up and are repeated. I will like, hey, look. <laughs> um, but the the really nitty gritty of it, I, if I'm welcome it, I mean, I, I'm always welcome to new kinds of different meta. So if you guys understand the skull thing with Kurt's uh, repeated patterns, please feel free to like drop a line in the comments or something. So. Yep. Um, but looking at Brittany, Brittany is like you don't really notice her in this scene, but she is wearing these funky purple striped socks mm-hmm. that are knee high and like lime green dress, kind of quirky. What's what she ends up wearing to the prom? What does she? End she, up wearing? she she's wearing that green dress. At oh, the she prom. is. Yeah. Okay. Is Tina wearing the the black? I think red? so. Oh, yeah. And Tana, Tana does wear the red dress. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad that Lauren looks so good in her navy dress. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that they make her wear that ridiculous <laughs> lemon <laughs> ring pie. <laughs> 
And the girl's comment that Kurt's there because, it, you know, a comment from him is like a comment from Joan and Melissa Rivers. <laughs> mm. uh, I don't know if that's... Like, can you go with God, Satan? Santana. <laughs> <laughs> I also, like, Santana is trying to be, uh, like, what, you're going to prom alone? That's so pathetic of you. And... and Kurt totally turns it around and he's like, no, I'm going to play. And he gets so excited. Like, it's so cute. He is. He was, you know, he's just holding on to that piece of information. Like, yeah. when's going to be the right time for me to announce this? <laughs> um, and so Santana pulls him aside and there's this, like, I don't understand this entire plot, but okay. She is trying, she's dating Frosty and trying to get prom queen so she can get popularity points so that she can date Brittany. I, I don't fully understand her thought process with this, but okay. I, I think that's just like, like teenage logic. I don't know. It's, it makes no sense, does it? What, what is she hoping to accomplish? Yeah. I mean, Brit, I mean, uh, um, Brittany and Tina are, no, God, Brittany and Artie are going to self-implode anyway in this, episode yeah. or they did in the previous, previous episode or, yeah. but I, it just is kind of weird I don't exa- I think they they needed a reason to give Santana a goal of prom queen mm-hmm. and it just became this really weird convoluted like logic illogical kind of or needed, needed her involved with Karoski to start his yeah. sort of redemption arc sort of thing like yeah Maybe she was more of a prop in that story. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While trying to service her own, yeah, with Brittany. And so, okay, I just go with it. I don't usually try and like think about it too much because it hurts my brain. So, <laughs> but, I mean, but I the Kurt and Santana relationship is could have been an interesting one. Like, what yeah. the yeah. dynamic, the dynamics between them are an interesting one. Um, but I don't think we really got enough of them. Mm-hmm. together like I mean mm-hmm. she's made some pretty derogatory comments to him at the start of this season yep and it's interesting to me um, now that I think of it they have very different coming out stories but neither one is really involved in the other one's coming out story No, and they didn't try to make the all the gays stick together It was. it's interesting that they didn't go there when that would have been an easy thing to try and do. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so she's gonna um, use him as a charity case, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna support you around so people will vote for me. And he's like, "What the fuck? Okay." Um, and the next thing we get is the her, the first of the two bully whoop scenes where she's walking him down. Oh, and she's gay. Like, gay. <laughs> oh no! And he's like, "You want me to do that to you? I will." <laughs> um, and, but nobody's really caring. They're just walking. And probably think Santana's a weirdo, but yeah. I mean, she, and he's but... wearing um, the outfit like the underneath. Isn't that the thing he wears in season three during the whole? Junior Gate conversation. Ah. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah. Not that it... I just noticed that in... With the Bullywick scene, so we've seen with Santana and then later on with Karofsky, he's, like, all in, like, 
blacks and whites and reds. It's like he's color coordinating. Like he knows yeah. he's going to be escorted by this person in a bright red jacket. So he's dressing accordingly so that they don't clash while they're walking down the hallway at school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this, his whole like sort of tolerating Santana in this is sort of an interesting one. Because like at this yeah. point he's feeling safe. Yep. Um, and he feels safe without the bully whips. I mean, yeah. born this way, he gets some you know a, a guy to serenade him in the middle of McKinley's courtyard, yeah. and he's back and he's fine. He's not worried about being bullied. So yeah. the bully whips kind of are just he's appeasing Santana at yeah. this point. And mm-hmm. like, why is like you know what's his you know is it just him yeah. because he's being a nice person because he really understands it. She's in the closet, you know, he's helping her, like, what his thought processes are that he is pandering to this sort of charade. That is a good question. Maybe it's also help Karofsky stay in the closet? I don't know. I have no idea what his thought process is. Other than I'm sure he doesn't want to rock the boat with Santana because no. might make his life miserable. Mm-hmm. But that whole plot line is a bit like, why? It, it, yeah, <sighs> okay. And stuff, but why? I've <laughs> never thought about that before. <laughs> okay, so we do get a cooking class, and I don't know, is this home ec? Is there actually a cooking course? I don't know, that'd be kind of fun. We call them food technology. We actually have we we have like cooking based classes called food tech. That's kind of cool that we had. Um, it's I don't know if it's just an American thing. Something called home economics, where you would learn how to cook and you would learn how to sew, and it was mostly back in the 1950s. The women all took them to become uh, good housewives, and um, it's unfortunate they don't. It it eventually was called life skills, and we don't really have that class because curriculums are being um, cut everywhere, and this is one of the first things to go. Um, you know, the theory being, well, parents should be able to teach the kids all of this, and, you know, granted they should, but yeah. um, uh, it is something that I think a lot of kids are missing out on. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to balance a, a budget. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's actually something useful. Exactly. So... Anyway, that's my little <laughs> political statement. <laughs> my question is, is why are they sitting down to cook? Oh yeah, I don't. Maybe she's. T- uh, who knows? <laughs> maybe know. maybe Brittany's been talking about this egg for about half an hour, and they've all had enough. <laughs> they need to sit down. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> Tina's, it's the same thing. <laughs> and I love Kurt's. Like, I'm gonna learn how to do pate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and Mercedes just looking at him like, what the hell are you on about? <laughs> okay, so this, the thing that I want to point out about this scene is that Artie comes in and he's making this giant romantic gesture gesture to, um, Car- to Car- God, I can't talk today, to Brittany. <laughs> that would be a whole different story. <laughs> singing her the song, asking her to prom. It's this huge ordeal. And Kurt loves it. Yeah. He thinks it's adorable and sweet. And I just hate when I hear criticism about Kurt not liking big displays of romantic affection. And I'm like, no, he does. Yeah, it, yeah he loves He's like a little clap when it's like a prom proposal. 
and just watching it and just like his eyes are starstruck through the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, he's like waving his little thing to the sound of the music, and Chris is twirling the whisk in his hand. Yep, you know, that's he is. <laughs> that's a Chris's We just come up to him because he does it whenever he's holding something. Yeah, and just standing there in the background, he's twirling it. <laughs> <laughs> is it a reflex for him or something? It's, well, it always what, does that. Yeah, what it is is that Chris studied some. I don't know enough about ninja stuff to know what it is mm. exactly, but. Um, that's he's twirling um, something because of the training that he's done for himself. So it's just kind of a natural thing when he's just standing there. Um, like, he just starts twirling things. So. And after it becomes a thing for his character, it's just yep. it's cute. Yeah. I wonder if that was an intentional thing. Because Chris has often talked about so much about how he's put a lot of thought, especially mm-hmm. early on, to what Kurt is. But I wonder if that's just a Chris thing that got put in there time and time and again, or if that really is something he thought about. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. We'll never know. I mean, you'll have to ask him one day. <laughs> and next time he does one of his book tours, somebody will have to ask that question. Not me, because <laughs> he doesn't come to my country, so it'll have to be somebody else. <laughs> yeah. <Not to> my... <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, me asking the weird questions. Sure. <laughs> Something else about this scene, which I think is the teacher's actually enjoying the performance. Like, yeah. normally we get the teachers hating on this glee club. Like, no, is this throwing the stuff at them in the staff room? <laughs> is this the same teacher who was also when Brittany was? She's like, "What's the capital of Ohio?" And she's like, "Oh, well, I am." <laughs> or, oh, no, oh, oh. Yeah. the United States is well, I am, and then what is the capital of Ohio? Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> she's like. <laughs> I like the teacher. They bring her back a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was quite she that she's bopping her head along to it. Mm. That's nice to see. <laughs> I love also um Mercedes line at the beginning where she's like, Isn't this song about a baby? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Do we ever get that out anywhere else in the show where like a character commenting on like the awkward or ridiculous use of a song? Like we're going to put this in here because it kind of fits but doesn't quite fit exactly. Um, I want to say yes, but I would have to watch for okay, it. I can't think yeah. it off the top of my head. Tumblr CSI, I can get onto that. Yeah, come on, Tumblr CSI, find us more. <laughs> but anyway, the point of the scene is not necessarily Brittany and Artie. It's Kurt likes big romantic gestures. Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. So now we get um, the scene where Kurt is trying on his outfit for the first time. And actually, there's a little bit before this. Um, I love Finn and Blaine just hanging out on the couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Blaine wants to be a part of their... He's asking to be a part of New Directions for a day. I'm going to yeah. jam you guys. <laughs> I love what Blaine is wearing in this scene. I kind of wish they had done his style more like this more often, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bert comes in and he's like, you know, I got your tuxes at half off. And Blaine thinks Torni Orlando is a designer. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really know who Torni oh, Tony Orlando was. So I had to look him up. So did I. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you. <laughs> so there we go. There's a big age difference thing there, I think. The generation thing. Mm. Um, and Kurt comes down and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't we need to worry about half off my outfit. Why? Because it's already half off. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. 
Yeah. And his um, comment about the, was the homage to the royal wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, is, I think this is the first time we get sort of his obsession with the royals. That occasionally, like, it pops up a few more times. I also wonder if that's partly inspired by, by Chris. Kurt. Yeah, Chris as well. Probably. Because I'm pretty sure Chris was, like, up until, like, he knows how long watching that <laughs> wedding happened. <Yep. laughs> well, that's, like, one of the things in season with Choke, isn't it? The only thing that Rachel can talk to him about, or he can talk to Rachel about, is if Kate and Will are pregnant was one of the things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, the little smile on Blaine's face when he comes out with his little out, just like, oh. Yeah. Thanks, my boyfriend's adorable yeah. and weird and adorable. <laughs> and I love every bit of it. Yeah. It's such a Kurt thing, you know? And I like how Kurt's like, well, it's not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> Need a sash and maybe some sequins? <laughs> Need to bedazzle it. No. Yeah. Not that he does. Really, this is kind of what he wears. But. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like that there's an open, like, Bert and Kurt can kind of get in jabs at each other, but it's harmless. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. I think Bert has kind of a point when he says, like, Kurt's just trying to get attention. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. it's the only reason he made that outfit, probably, but I think I think Bert's right to an extent. Like, Kurt probably mm-hmm. was trying to, to see how far he can go. I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think one of the points that kind of gets brought up a little bit later um, with the second bully whip scene, but, um, you know, people are leaving him alone. They aren't harassing him. Mm-hmm. He, so he feels like, okay, well, I'm going to really be how I feel about myself, so I really, really want to wear this outfit, and I don't think anybody's really going to care. And Bert is right about the attention, but I do think Bert also has a good point of, you know, you should know your limits. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. He's being, like, pragmatic because, I mean, we've got Finn's reaction where he's like, dude, it's like gay Braveheart. And I love that. I (laughs) love it. it, It's come full circle just to talk about Finn for a second because we we don't get a whole lot of Finn-Kurt stuff after Furt, but Finn is, like, full-on accepting where he he wouldn't have. In early season two, he would have said what Bert said, like, tone it down. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't wear that to school or whatever. And here Finn is totally accepting. Like, yeah, dude, go. Go, little brother. But he's completely contrast to theatricality. Mm -hmm. But perhaps Mm -hmm. also kind of evidence of sort of Finn's naivety and he's sort of not seeing the real world and things like that, that he's sort of like, yeah, Kurt, go for it. You know, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Whereas Blaine and Bert are being sort of much more pragmatic about the situation in that... Um, like Blaine doesn't want to give anybody a reason to do something, you know. He's got his reasons, you know. Bert was it lighting if all it something about their hate and all it takes is a, something a match to light it or something. I don't have the exact quote there. Um, sort of, they're looking at it a much more realistic thing, like not wanting Kurt to stop being Kurt. But I suppose, right. you know, it's a difficult, it's a difficult line, you know, where you draw the line and right. things like that. Yeah. Right. And, and jumping back to Finn real quick, too, I think also Finn recognizes that he needs to be supportive of Kurt, and I think that's what he's doing here more than out of mm. ignorance. 
Yeah, but I, I think that you know it's a, a, a statement of like I'm gonna support you, dude. I don't get it, but yeah, go for it. Because he's so confused for the rest of the scene. He's like, <laughs> glass of milk. <laughs> yeah, probably Kurt brought him his glass of warm milk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Finn will drink <laughs> all the time. Um, but um, yeah, and and neither Blaine or Bert want Kurt to not be Kurt, but mm-hmm. it's more of hey, look at the context we're in, you know. You're not going to go walk into the Westboro church wearing, you know, a rainbow flag and, you know, have gay sex on the floor. They'll probably kill you. So it's like, that was a very extreme example, but like... um, But I love that they did that because um, I think it's very... The scene to these two things, like being Kurt and Kurt being safe, because unfortunately that's just not possible at the same time a lot of the time so I really like how they handled that and and also that Kurt was upset and didn't really understand because I don't know was he really feeling safe or was he just I don't know wishing to feel safe I think maybe Kurt was being a little naive about it Mm -hmm. like and we'll get into it more when we get into the prom part of it but nobody's harassing him so why not try and go for it Mm -hmm. Mm. there's a sort of you know, he's closed his armor in a way also. And, you know, mm-hmm. what's the point of dressing up unless he's trying to get attention? Sort of his his outrageousness in his clothes and his fashion lessens as the seasons go on, as mm-hmm. he, I suppose, becomes more comfortable with who he is. Um, I find it interesting, though, that he mentions about wearing a top hat in this scene, and that's what he actually ends up wearing at the prom the following mm-hmm. year, but with, a, I suppose, a much more reserved... Like, he's just in an open vest and a shirt and things like that. It's kind of funny. It's a little bit... It's more masculine, mm. maybe, But it's still, mm. like, he, he's... I mean, he's pretty much, like... In season three, it's it's very open and yeah. very um, not... Because like, in season two, still, he's very covered in all of his layers. And in season three, yeah. he's not as much. But that's a whole different conversation. I'm sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> to, like, get you off of what you're talking about. <laughs> no, that's... I was finishing my point. That's okay. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. But yeah, like it's his comment, you know, I've done his comment that I've done everything right. Yeah. Like it, it's like I feel like this is reflecting that conversation he had had with Bert in duets about you know why can't I walk hand in hand? Why can't I dance with this person? Why can't I do what everyone else does and just be myself? Yeah. Um. So you know, perhaps it's that sort of that need. He's he's still trying to fight for, for himself finding his place. So yeah, he might he have convinced. Wants, yeah. He just wants Sorry. things that has, and like everyone else can dress in whatever they want, and he wants that too. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's and it's completely okay. Oh. It should be completely okay. And yeah. And the, and it's interesting you bring up Jewess. I'm glad you reminded me of that scene because he is getting a lot of things that he wanted. He mm-hmm. needs to take a boy to prom to, uh, you know, hold a guy's hand down the hallway, and he's getting all of that. Um, so it is another, like, why can't I do this, too? I mean, yeah. you know. So. Yeah. And he's on, on purpose, like, misunderstanding what Bert's saying when Bert says, like, don't just try to get attention because you'll get attention you don't want. Yeah, um, and it's a different kind of attention they're talking about. Like, Bert's just saying, you know, be safe, and, and, and Kurt's talking about fashion just in, in, in general, like dress up so people will see what you're wearing. And they're talking about different things, really. 
You know, and it's interesting. We talk a lot about Kurt and gender, and he's, I mean, it's, I mean, a kilt is a, a male thing to wear, but it, it's also, he's uh, noticeably going for a, a feminine look a little bit, um, it, at least on, in American standards, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be different, taken differently other places in the world. I don't think so. Um, so, but it, it is interesting. He's kind of uh, combining this masculine and feminine element together because that really represents, especially here in his life, what, who he is. Yeah, and he wants people to look because he wants them to think that what he's wearing is awesome. Mm-hmm. And Bert's saying, like, don't make them look because they, they're not going to like it. And he, I think he gets that, but he doesn't want to. He's just mm-hmm. on purpose misunderstanding what, what Bert is saying to him. And that's kind of funny because that's such a curt trait. He will purposely misunderstand things so that he can still go down his train of thought. He did a lot in season one with the Kurt and Bert story. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's when you get sort of snappy in this conversation. Sort of, And it's sort of towards Blaine. And I kind of think he's sort of being maybe a little bit insensitive to Blaine because where Blaine's coming from and his sort of response yeah. is, well, if you don't want to join me, I completely understand and he storms off. Yeah. Um, sort of. And I think that comes from a place of Kurt being told no. Yeah. In, in a, mm-hmm. uh, defenses. Yeah. He's not really angry at Blaine, but he's angry that he's being told no and he kind of just snaps. And, and, and Blaine in this scene seems to get it. He, he seems kind of upset, but he almost, like, I wonder at the end of the scene, after this, that Blaine goes up and talks to Kurt and is like, we'll do this, we'll do this, yeah. you know, if you want to. Where's the fan fiction? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> but, like, also, I mean, that nearly for all that scene, Blaine is on the couch with his arms crossed, mm-hmm. looking like small, I suppose, you know, smaller, mm-hmm. very sort of in that sort of in that protective sort of stance. He is concerned. Interesting to me, where they've both been bullied for being gay, but Blaine has kind of internalized it a little bit more, where Kurt's defiant. Yeah. Like, whatever, you can't, you know, punch the gay out of me. Mm -hmm. But Blaine has kind of gone inward. Yeah, but Kurt is always like that. He's always, like, pushing back, and he never just, like, takes it. He just, that's the Kurt thing. He always fights back. Mm-hmm. Well, and then like look at Blaine's character because I don't think Blaine is a weak character, no, but no. I think that he's just he reacts to things differently. He just kind of takes it all in and absorbs it, and there's never any kind of that's why things get so crazy late on, uh, on even going into season five, where you know he's like, well, you know, he if he can be you know protector, if he can be the one yeah. that's you know the stronger of the two, quote unquote or whatever, but. Um, yeah, when he's not, he feels very small. He feels insecure, maybe? Yeah. And, or it just gets too much to handle. And Kurt, um, he doesn't do that to that extent, at least. He's much more, when, when something's wrong, he'll snap, or he just does something. And Blaine lets things build up a lot more. Mm. So I don't, I don't know how that relates <laughs> to that scene. Oh, no, it's fine. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's kind of cool just to, like, in general, take a step back and say, okay, well, where does this fit in with Kurt and Blaine's characters throughout the series as a whole? And I'm 
why one reason why I really like that we we have a closed canon, so we can kind of look at the story as a whole and see where these pieces fit in the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get the second um, bully whip scene, and here's my thing. Um, here is this kid who is now being escorted by the former bully who threatened to kill him. Whose idea was that, that they would allow that? I just think that, you know, I get this is Krafsky's redemption arc, and I get that he's changed a bit, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but just from a, a school function, if I had a kid, and he's been bullied by another kid, I would not have him be the personal escort. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're coming back to incompetence of teaching stuff at McKinley. <laughs> yeah. I get the purpose of the scene, but when you think it would just take a step back and are like, wait a minute, what? That doesn't seem... Nah, doesn't really make sense. But yeah, well, uh, it's Glee. <laughs> <laughs> but this scene does exist for a couple of reasons, and one, it's to, to go on um, to... Kurt makes the comment of nobody cares that I'm around. Um, that's because Krofsky's really was the instigator, number one, mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um but nobody really cares. And then um, Krofsky kind of breaks down, and this is his pretty the culmination of his season two redemption arc. Um, yeah. In that he's now the reason he was bullying was because of all of this, you know, insecurity and uncertainty about his sexuality, and and now he kind of needs Kurt's guidance in some respects. I mean, I have to say, I'm I'm really not a big fan of Krofsky, but the actor is doing really great things in that scene, like, in general. Yeah. And I think this is important, too. I always want people to go back and, and kind of, like, take a look at this when we get into things like, why would Blaine ever date Krofsky? And it's still so why, but it... it I'm, there is a redemption here. I do yeah. think Kurt doesn't seem to be afraid to be with Krofsky. And I like, Krofsky apologizes, and I like that Kurt doesn't, he doesn't actually accept the apology. He's like, yeah, I know you are. It's mm-hmm. like, it, this is about moving forward. This is not about focusing on, on what has gone on in the past. Sort of, this is, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Um, and I like that. I like that Kurt doesn't doesn't need to accept his apology, but he can mm-hmm. acknowledge what Krosky is saying. I think that works quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also shows just how empathetic Kurt must be that he can actually sort of reach this point with Krosky to sort of say, you know, I could just hate you, but I actually now I can just see the pain that you are in. Yeah, and I mean, in a way, it's he is he is forgiving him, kind of, in a yeah. way. And I just really, I I admire that. I can't really relate to that because I hold a grudge for like centuries. But <laughs> I'm the same. Uh, it's <laughs> it's such a curt thing again. Like he's really not a cold character. Really not. He forgives everyone, like even when he has no reason to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. I, I'm not a huge fan of Krofsky either. Um, I think that the amount of scary bulliness that they did in the beginning of season two doesn't 100% jive with the 
softer character that we get from here onward. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel a little like a different character completely, but mm-hmm. I do think what Glee was trying to do here was say that there are other stories about coming out, and, and we get, like, gosh, we get a bunch of them here. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we get Kurt's defiantness, and we get Blaine's, you know, inwardness, and we get Krofsky's just, you know, never coming out of the closet type thing, and everybody is dealing with their sexuality in a different way. Mm-hmm. We can even throw in Santana. I don't think her sexuality played up that much on, well, I guess a little bit at the end, but... Um, that there are all of these different gay kids running around, and they're all, or queer kids, or bi kids, or whatever, and they're all different, and they're all going through different things at a different time, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. All right. All right, so we get into prom. And Can I just say, um, oh, go ahead. I want to know what thrift shop Rachel and Mercedes shop at, because I know. those are some pretty incre- incredible dresses for, what, $5 yeah. each? Yeah, yeah, that was your I budget. Mean, <laughs> we have, um, I'm sure you guys have your local stuff, like um, we have uh, Goodwill and Salvation Army. and But, you know, I was looking at dresses over there for, uh, I think I was doing for work, and they're still $20 mm-hmm. for those, the, even the cheap stuff. Yep. They're nice. They're $20. And, yeah, geez. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where's that Ohio thrift shop? Come on. <laughs> Um, yeah, the thing that sticks out to me comparatively to, like, season three, Kurt and Blaine are dancing, but they're side by side. They're not showing mm-hmm. any affection towards each other. They're making a point to kind of keep their physical distance so that nobody, you know, sees them being, quote-unquote, gay and on the dance floor. It's like, um... That's right. Yeah. The staircase in Asian F. Yeah. When, sort of, like, he goes to, like, give him a kiss and then it's like, oh no, I'll just cuff you on the shoulder sort of thing. Like they're still mm-hmm. sort of hesitant about actually showing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's and kind it's of weird after after that entire episode where he's like, nobody cares and, and I can wear killed and everything and then he doesn't even dance with Blaine. No. And that's, I think that that may be maybe a compromise on their part in some ways. Yeah, okay. Like I will wear this ridiculous outfit. Maybe Blaine said, okay, go ahead and do this, but we're going to have to be really careful at prom. Mm-hmm. Though when you look at it, when they're when Rachel's singing um, "Jar of Hearts," why is she singing that? It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's because she's pining over Finn, and it's ugh. <laughs> it's and such Jesse a depressing Sarah. song choice. Like all these couples dancing to this song, it's like ugh. Um, well, it's interesting though. The atmosphere is kind of nice because when they make the comment that Becky has found a date. Mm-hmm. And is able to dance. I mean, Becky, who has a disability, and I'm uh, we're, I'm glad she does. I'm glad that they're showing that the, this you know, girl with Down syndrome yeah. can do this. But at the same time, they're looking at their situation and saying, okay, this person can do this still, but we can't. But what's interesting and, is that Brittany's dancing with a girl in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, is that so, yeah. apparent, that's okay. That's fascinating, yeah. And it's not okay for them. Well, and, and as we were, something that we were talking about a little bit in early season two, when, you know, with the whole duets thing where girls can sing duets together, but the boys can't, and there's a stigma where the girls can show outward physical more yeah. and not get as harassed about it, but two men, and again, I don't know if it's just American culture or if it is cultures everywhere else, everywhere. where yeah. the two men having intimate intimacy, showing intimacy 
is deemed a unmanly. Men don't have feelings. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that. Feelings are for girls. Yep. And that's really sad. And it's not just about the the gay male couples that can't be together, but I think just in general, it's unfortunate that men get taught this because just two straight men, you know, having a moment should be something that's celebrated. Yeah. But anyway, um... You know, Blaine looks so sad in this moment that he, when they're watching Becky, and it's like he probably does really want to dance with Kurt, but they can't. Because he, he was having a great time during Friday. Yep. Like, he's, yeah, fate like, but as soon as sort of the slow song stopped, like, that stopped this. I'm like, oh, I can't enjoy this. Right. And we all know how physical Blaine is, you know, to have that closeness. You know, we see them dancing very closely in um, season four when the, in I do when they're yep. slow dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I and Blake just loves it. Yeah, I mean the fact that they he in particular is so uncomfortable at this point just makes what happens later on even more poignant. Like mm-hmm. that he was willing to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Kurt, on the other hand, is annoyed because he's busy watching Santana and Karofsky. Mm-hmm who get to be together and dance and whatever because they're both lying about who they are. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then um, Blaine sings, I'm not going to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. <laughs> Which I like to call, I want to be that microphone stand. Oh, I oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I mean, I think this is the second time we sing, see him singing not as a warbler. Is that yep. And it's like the first time we see him sober. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> How sober is he really? No, I'm kidding. He is. But. Um, like, you know, he's not restricted by the warbler two-step. Like, this is Blaine. This is Blaine yeah. performing. Exactly. He's not. Oh, I've never really put that together. Yeah. Like, he's not being, in. you know, he's not drunk off his head den- duetting with Rachel. Um, this is sort of the first time we sort of see Blaine as a performer. And he still has so much fun. He does. He's, oh. <laughs> I don't know what to, cause this song is kind of meant for because at the time like this is where Jesse and, and Finn get in a fight and Rachel oh, yeah. Quinn's pissed off because of Finn's not paying attention to her and Rachel is upset and everything so the song kind of speaks to that but I don't know I mean if you guys have any thoughts about how to relate the song to Blaine I'm not entirely mm. sure I, I'm not as familiar with the song as others so I'm, I have never heard this song apart from on Glee no. So I don't have much understanding of it. Other than Darren Chris sounds really good singing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. Kurt's absolutely loving it. He is. They don't really have very many reaction shots of him, but at the same time there's action going on in other places. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we get we get his shoulder shimmy. Yeah. He's having a good time. <laughs> He's like, Oh, that's my cute boyfriend up there. <laughs> All right, so we go into the big climax of this episode, um, which is naming the prom queen. And they name this is interesting to me. First of all, let's talk about Krofsky and prom king. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Finn's been kicked out. Um, Puck, I don't know, is Puck just that much of a jerk to people that people don't want to vote for him? I'm kind of curious as to what, because Krofsky's throughout the series has been toted as this popular kid, but we don't really ever see it, you know? Oh, well, wasn't true. it Puck's issue that from the Jacob and Israel video at the start that people thought that Lauren had 
quote stolen oh that's right and so that that's why people weren't voting for him Mm-hmm. And so he'd sort of given up on prom king and wanted to be anti prom king, right? Which is such a better fitting thing for him. For him than... Anyway, yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick second and a shout out to the interrogation scene between oh, Artie and Sue, and she's like, "You would make a horrible POW." <laughs> I love her quote yeah. about getting all HMO up your glee hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so that's so great. <laughs> Love it. I love it. And the end of that interrogation scene when uh, she's like, so you didn't like the punch? Yes, I did. Oh, hey, didn't. Why am I wasting my time? Sue <laughs> uh, Sylvester DDS. <laughs> moments like that with Sue that, that work, you know, yeah. sort of, um, yeah. That sort of stuff, like I like, and I get a giggle out of it for the small silliness. Like the part earlier on in the episode, her list of um, songs that the Glee Club should never perform yeah. ever again. <laughs> sort of run, Joey, run, run. Joey, she run. Literally apologize to America. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stuff with her is great, and sort of mm. they didn't always embrace that. They yeah, too far. But, yeah, <laughs> you know what? Oh, because okay, I'm like. You know, she's not in there when uh, when Kurt's crowned prom queen, but he, she's too busy interrogating Artie, so yep, that's why yeah. she's not around that. Yep. But anyway. Okay, so... There's no way Sue Sylvester would have read that name out of the card. No. If she no. had pulled that out and saw her porcelain's name on that, there is no way she would have read that out. No. And that's the thing. Um, I guess we can get into this Figgin stuff, because here we go. We get this... First of all... There's no way, these are self-involved teenagers, so there's just no way that I could see this practical joke getting this out of hand. I mean, uh, I can see one or two people doing it because they're funny, but I'm like, now something that, gosh, I don't know who I was talking to when we brought this up, that there's a possibility that, you know how in season three, Quinn and Santana changed the votes, that Rachel win, even though... Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe one or two kids who were like doing the tallying that year were able to do it. Yeah. But I just have a hard time believing the entire bot, student body did it. Well, the reaction for when he comes back out indicates, I suppose we can get into that a little bit more, you know, they applaud him. Yeah. If the auditorium was filled with people that had voted to humiliate him, like, would that have been a reaction that would... Right. Yeah. And they're so shocked. I mean, I, this isn't yeah. something that they were expecting to happen. It's just a shocking moment, and it just gets quiet. And you hear the one person clapping, so maybe that's the one person that, you know, did it. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is the work of, like, a, a couple of people who yeah. Yeah. were able to... Zemio. Yeah. Um, were you guys... Because there, the there was a big controversy with this being spoiled by one of the extras on set. Oh, yeah. Was it spoiled oh, right. to you guys? Yeah, basically there was... I, I, somebody will have to correct me for the exact... Um, I remember her name was Nicole, and she was an extra. And she tweeted yeah. who was prom queen while they were filming it or something. And one of the writers attacked her, like, harshly. And she got, you know... She probably will never work in Hollywood again. Mm. It was um, it was a mess. I think she just tweeted the initials. Even it was and yeah, it was a mess. It, I mean, professionalism. You don't do that. You really don't. But no, at the same no. time, the amount of hate she got too, mm. I don't it was more. That was I mean, insane. At the end of the 
Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a silly television show. So. Yeah. I mean, I just remember I wasn't, I was like an avid watcher of the show at this time, but wasn't really active online. But somehow my mother had found out about the spoiler, and I remember her telling me that Kurt was going to be prom, crowned prom queen. And I was just like, you're full of shit. What are you talking about? And then, <laughs> Like, that's not going to happen. And then, lo and behold, I, just, I actually sort of just... It was only when I was sort of reading up on this episode when I read about the spoiler, I went, oh, I'm pretty sure mum actually told me that before I watched it. Mm-hmm. I was like, how does she know? Because she's so far out of any sort of pop culture that yeah. somehow she had heard this spoiler. Well, and a lot, it wasn't even the spoiler that got in the media. It was the fact that the Twitter stuff between yeah. the scroll and the writers and all of that was making news. Not necessarily that Kurt was yeah. going to be talking. <laughs> Um, so, um, I can see, you know, pop culture at that moment was yeah. really latched on that, which is kind of funny because then we get, you know, two years later, we have all these Brazilians running around and they're yeah. spread stuff and we're pretty sure the writers had something to do with that. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't a big deal after that, but season yeah. two was so, um, yeah. So, oh my God. Begin. I just, <laughs> I'll let you guys talk about it because I just like sit here again. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's really, really, really shitty writing because had they had a student reading out that card, like that is a completely different situation and it would be, you know what, yeah, that could have happened. A student would see that name and they would read it out. But a principal of a school, I just, oh, no. Yeah, but it's figures. I mean, I don't know. I know, like, but as I said, it comes back to this whole theme, you know, recurring theme of these incompetent educational staff at this school. It must have been on purpose, right? I mean, it must have been on purpose that they're all incompetent. I mean... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we often talk about McKinley as being this kind of, like, hell-like place. I mean, maybe it was intentional. Yeah, I mean, in contrast to, like, gay Hogwarts, which had teachers. <laughs> um, yeah, it just. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's much we can sort of say about him other than. Not winning Principal of the Year. No. That'll be his older sister. <laughs> and I think it's a pretty random thing sisters. that that whole prom queen thing is. It's, I don't know. I mean, I'm not American, but it seems kind of random to me. Like, couldn't he have just made up another name? Yeah. Yeah, he could have yeah. just said, oh, Santana Lopez. And yeah. I mean, who cares? Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and Kurt here is interesting because nine times out of ten, whatever he's faced with, Kurt's going to just, you know, and he doesn't. He flees. He literally is stunned and then flees. But he doesn't have somebody that he can. Like when Karofsky would shove him into the wall or when Finn and Puck were throwing him into a dumpster they were there they were in front of him he had someone he could lash out at he this is like he's in the middle of this large crowd who is he directing that to right and I think also a lot of other attacks were things that he was expecting because they were happening yeah. a lot because he was in a specific situation where it was just possible and this, he just didn't see it coming at all. He thought he was safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but can you just take, like, a moment, just Chris's face in... Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Like, 
could we just like have a whole show of just close ups of his face? Because he is at his best when he says nothing. Yeah. And it's just those seconds on Oh it's amazing. It's so heartbreaking but he's so good. Mm -hmm. The the I have and I haven't studied acting a lot so I can't really say this, but I the amount of facial movement the amount of emotions he can display on his face Mm -hmm. at one time and just the changes the very subtle changes by Mm -hmm. just you know the changing of how his eyes are the little muscle movements in his face it's amazing Mm -hmm. it is just just, yeah Uh, it's great Mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah kurt runs out and and blaine follows him i mean Blaine doesn't just, like, run away, too. I mean, like, he's like, okay, you know, this mm-hmm. person I care about just to have this thing happen to him, and I've been there, and I, I you know. Then we get this hallway scene between the two of them. And, well, first of all, let's, I really want to just throw in there, um, I like the, the split-screen stuff. I do like the, that they, I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic writing, where they culminated all of these storylines into this one kind of climatic moment, and... Quinn being upset about her own prom queen and Finn and Rachel mess that gets tied up and Santana storyline with Brittany uh, kind of getting resolved here. And yeah. Can I just say, Brittany is brilliant during this segment. Like, mm-hmm. calling Santana out on her shit and like, you know, come on, we need to worry about Kurt right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, that's a really, really, really great moment for her character. Um sort of when she's dealing with Santana in that moment. Yeah, she handles Santana so well. I, this is, I'm not technically, a, I'm not a, a Britannia shipper, mm-hmm. but I like them in this moment. I think yeah. it makes a lot of sense, and I think Brittany really understands her and really understands the situation, and she's very mature in this these moments. Yeah, which is kind yeah. of surprising, but also not. I, Brittany has a lot of those unexpected moments, when she's like, she sees more than than, than you think, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I, I really like that moment, even if it doesn't really fit with a lot of the character that we see mm-hmm. otherwise. But especially when she says, you know, we have to be there for Kurt because this is a lot harder for him than it is for you. And uh, she just, she's more observant than people give her credit for, I think. She's yeah. just in, a, in her own world a lot. In her own special <laughs> Britney world. <laughs> With unicorns. They, they're, they're sweet little unicorns together. Mm. Um, something that I think is really interesting about the Britannia scene, too, is that Britney says to Santana, you know, you didn't win because you weren't yourself. But Kurt does win because he was himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same with Quinn. Quinn doesn't win because she's trying to pass off this persona of this perfect girl and she's not. Santana's trying to be not straight and this, you know, thing that she's not. But the person that wins is the person that is the truest to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I haven't thought about that. And neither have I until just then. Good <laughs> 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 um, But yeah. And, and it, this we get the scene between Kurt and Blaine, and Blaine doesn't really say much. He kind of just goes along with what Kurt wants. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's in like when they first go out into the hallway, and Kurt sort of 
in tears and he's he's ranting. He's speaking in like we and us. We thought we were safe, but they did this to us. Like he's that it's happened to him and Blaine. Like Blaine was one who was hesitant to go, who was hesitant to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, yet sort of he's including him him in this speech, like they're in it together. Um, so it's an interesting sort of in his his state of mind at that particular particular point in time. Just those use of inclusive words just jumped yeah. out at me. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really thought about that before, but in thinking about it, it's, I mean, yeah, it is speaking to the gay community as a whole mm. in some respects. Um, but at the same time, Kurt and Blaine really, have, uh, the way the writers have written them, really work as a team yep. when they're really good together. Mm-hmm. And I think that is speaking to that too, that they know that these kind of things, it's not just something that happens to one it's it's something that happens to both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get this dialogue where um, Kurt saying, you know, the um, he's going to go back in there and he's going to get coordinated. And his line is, "I'm going to show them that it doesn't matter if they're yelling at me or whispering behind my back. They can't touch me and they can't touch us or what we have." Blaine's face. Oh, but one thing I've seen a, I've seen a lot back then uh, um, was like criticism of Blaine for for his line like uh, Do you at least want to sit down? Um, there was a lot of stuff going around back then that he's not a supportive boyfriend and everything that he's kind of yeah. impatient and he wants her to make up his mind already or just the that, ugh, that's just wank. That <laughs> it is. It is you know, a lot of criticism, especially of the season two stuff of all the stuff really but um a lot of stuff that i have seen of criticism of blaine during season two comes from a place of a shipping place where they don't want kurt with blaine yeah and they are finding every little thing blaine is nothing but supportive Mm -hmm. in this scene and he's trying to reach out to kurt as as best he can and at the same time blaine's fears have been realized i mean he was worried he was the one that was worried going into this not kurt and here it feels like this has happened all over again and that they're being attacked. And for Blaine, that's a hard thing. And he kind of takes, you know, some lead off of Kurt, where Kurt is like, you know, you know what, I'm you know, I, I'm upset. I, I can't believe they actually did this to me. But you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to stand up to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Blaine does the exact right thing because he knows Kurt. He just he knows that Kurt needs to work through all of these emotions and then he'll just... He'll know what to do, but he needs to get it out first. And Blaine knows that because he knows Kurt. So he stays and he sits in the hallway and waits for Kurt to just work through his stuff. And I think and it's supportive, isn't it? I mean, what else yeah. could he do? And going back to a point where you were saying earlier about, you know, Kurt needs somebody to lash out at. Mm-hmm. Well, he had to get out of that crowd and collect his thought, and now he's going to go lash out at them. Yeah. And also, I mean, I sort of found found the quote from Chris Colfer, and I know that you mentioned it in your meta of this episode as well, about how originally the script had Blaine convincing Kurt to go back in mm-hmm. and that Chris Colfer asked for it to be changed, that um, to let Kurt do that for himself mm-hmm. and not be persuaded by, by, by Blaine. And I think, I think Chris was right for that. It was important that this was 
Kurt's decision. Um, mm-hmm. Like this was his battle. This is his particular fight. Um, Blaine was fighting his own battle by actually showing up to the dance and then putting himself out there afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it, it makes a lot more, it works a lot more for Kurt's character Yeah, that he's the one to go, no, I'm going to go in there and get coronated. Yeah, and that's I, I true. I think it detracts from Blaine's character to have it this way. Because I think that's what I, a lot of people were trying to say, you know, um, that um, Blaine doesn't, you know, get anything to say in it or anything like that. But it's no, it's really Kurt's moment, and it does make more sense yeah, for Kurt's realization. At the same time, also a moment for Blaine, because um, he doesn't push him. And mm-hmm. I think that would have been the worst possible thing in that situation to push him to go back. He's not sure if Kurt's going to be comfortable and if he's okay right. with that. It makes a lot more sense this way and it's it's also a character moment for Blaine in that way, that he doesn't push and that he lets Kurt make his own decision. Yeah. Blaine doesn't need to say anything in this particular, like, the fact that he is there yeah. isn't yep. enough. Yep, he is in that supportive role. He yeah. is letting Kurt do it on his own and figure things out on his own and he will be there for whatever Kurt needs but it's Kurt's decision to figure out what he wants to do. Yeah, yeah and Blaine is there d- despite the fact that he's already had a bad experience at a similar event so that really does say a lot about him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Kurt cleans himself up <laughs> goes back out there and Wait, it is Blaine gets up and he and takes Kurt's hand, or Kurt grabs his hand. He offers but him a tissue first. Is it the tissue first? And then he's like, yeah, are you ready yeah. for this? Yeah. I do like the moment when Kurt's giving his little, like, we can't, they can't touch us, me, or touch us, or what we have. I like that he gets down to Blaine's level, mm-hmm. and they're close, and, and in this intimate moment, it's like, we know what we have, and we know that we kind of share this relationship and this love and and care about each other and no matter what that is what matters at the end of the end of the day mm-hmm. it's nice because kurt has it's it's like you see that kurt has figured it out for himself and he's back in like team claim mm-hmm. you know nice. and i like that moment thinking, thinking about it because i just i love the scene and i keep making points out of it but you know, it does make a lot of sense that Kurt will be the one to speak the dialogue because Blaine, up until you know, up until they start dating, really was all of this mentor type thing. And I think that a lot of people talk about how Blaine was kind of it was a front for Blaine to be the mentor to Kurt to kind of like put on this. I'm going to, um, you know, help you through all of this stuff and whatnot. And in reality. Blaine can be just as insecure or not know what he's doing or whatever, and I think it speaks more to Blaine's character to um, just be really unsure and, and have Kurt be the one that's like, okay, we're doing this. Because if it was the other way around, Blaine would have felt still felt more like that mentor mm-hmm. instead of the boyfriend, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right, so um, we get into the coronation. Again, Figgins is even crowning him, whatever. How much um, time has passed, like, before he goes back in? I, I, always, I, I always wonder that. Everyone's I, I was going to ask the same thing. 
I know, because all... There. Yeah. And, if, like, was it that, you know, Kurt runs out, and then, like, Santana and Brit... And, uh, sorry. Yeah, Santana and Quinn and Rachel and Brittany, they all just run out, too. I mean, uh, the crowd just watching all of these people leave. I mean, and then and what? <laughs> Waiting for them. Sit in that chair, like... <laughs> Um, you know, and the imagery, I'm going to talk about this for a second. Um, I was stealing this and there's some just gorgeous imagery and it kind of brings me to all of this. Uh, I always like to talk about fairy tales with Clay, and this is the height of their fairy tale romance here where, you know, um, it just, in the imagery wise, like here's this, you know, prince getting crowned and, you know, you know, the white, night comes in to save the day and it just oh it's fascinating to me mm -hmm. yeah one of the best scenes I think. um i love kurt for his kate mills in line yeah. where he basically just he he's you know still having a hard time accepting the crown and then he'll just put on this face and it's like suck it mckinley i'm taking this and owning it mm -hmm. and Rachel's expression during this is actually really sweet. Like when he comes out with that line, you can in sort of see her break out in this massive grin. Yeah. Um, sort of a little bit of a sweet moment between between those two characters. Oh uh, yeah, and well, and even Tina says something. I mean, I feel so bad for him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Sam even has like this little smirk on his face at one point. I don't know if this is there when they start dancing but of like oh you know i'm glad they're they're okay and mm -hmm. stuff and we don't really get to see mercedes but they close in there's a close-up on britney's face when they announce the dance and you can just see mm -hmm. this look on her face like what no <laughs> is not no <laughs> is this gonna happen she's a little bit confused <laughs> um and then so first he's supposed to dance with Karofsky. now i will say this well i guess they did I was trying to think if the prom king and queen had, like, a dance. I guess they did, technically. But everybody was, like, dance during it. Like, just the king and queen got to dance together, too. Um, and I, it's interesting that Kurt wants this moment to be the moment where, where Karofsky comes out. <laughs> That's like, probably not. I don't even know how that would even work in some respects. Like, would you just... I don't know. Attention, McKinley. I'm gay, okay. too, and I accept Kurt Hummel's from Queen. But it's, as we, it's interesting, sort of how we were mentioning before about sort of how the Karofsky and the Santana stories are working together. Um, in the previous episode, when Brittany was suggesting to Santana that she come out, so sort of kind of doing the same thing that Kurt's doing here, like if you come, mm -hmm. come on the TV show, and... When Santana pulls out of that, she sends a text message that says, I can't. And they're the exact same words that Karofsky says to Kurt at this point in time. He's like, come on, you know, you can come out. And Karofsky's just, I can't. And he leaves. So there are some sort of parallels there in terms of how those two characters are working together in terms of hearing. That's very interesting. Yeah, I've never noticed that before. It's only because I just... I had some time to fill up tonight while I was waiting for <laughs> <laughs> the episode. Sitting I up to oh, midnight, what like, can I do? <laughs> you know, it's, you see these episodes so often, or certain, you know, and you start picking out these, like, little things that 
you know, you connect, and it's kind of cool. Um, and then we get probably one of my favorite clean moments ever. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so gorgeous. It's just the way it was shot and the fact that, you know, Kurt's left standing out on his own, but he is not alone. And I think it, uh, I mean, we'll get to the blame part of it in a second, but with, for Kurt's story, he starts out the season and the series alone, mm-hmm. and he's not in this moment. He's got somebody to support him and love him and take his hand when he needs it. And he's not alone. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't matter that he's not completely accepted because he has this person now. Yeah, yep. and it's just yeah, this is sort of just like hand. If somebody sort of said to me, "What would be your number one clean moment?" My instinct is to always go with this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you know, we had some pretty, we had some other amazing moments. We certainly didn't have enough. I think we can all argue that. But as you were talking about, this is the fairy tale moment. Um, mm-hmm. This is everything that Kurt wanted coming true. And it's just, ugh, it's just like ultimate rom com ending that yeah. we all just give us the warm and fuzzies. And it's just, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that it's not just about Kurt. We yeah. have Blaine coming into his own here too by doing this mm-hmm. he is putting himself out there and he I've heard um conversation about how Blaine always kind of regrets running away from mm-hmm. uh his old school from the bullies from you know he, he holds on to a lot of that and by following Kurt here and you know just presenting himself you know he's not only getting to make the big romantic gesture but he's able to put some of his past behind him too yeah yeah so in a way Kurt's right with the, uh, what he said at the beginning like okay you couldn't face up to the bullies at your old school so like we'll do it together now yeah yeah and in the moment that line is a bit yeah <laughs> but yeah he, he does it in the end so it's kind of perfect it's sweet you know and something um i've always been a, a talking about when we have these conversations about season two um and born this way i think that the dynamic starts to shift um, you know, Blaine is no longer a mentor. He's definitely a boyfriend. And mm-hmm. Kurt coming back to McKinley, Kurt kind of goes off on his own path, and Blaine is kind of trailing, and they're kind of swinging around where um, they're on uneven footing. Um, and I mean, no, they're I mean they're really on the same page here. I'm not saying that they're not, but it starts getting into the season three stuff and Blaine's insecurities mm-hmm. and Kurt going off to New York. And we start to get the beginning of their story as a real couple mm-hmm. over this fairy tale thing. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that it kind of, you know, we have the end of the season two arc and the end of this fairy tale right here as we're already shifting towards the season three and the rest of the series of them being a, an, a, a, of them being real boys and a real yeah. relationship over the fairy tale. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad that we got this fairy tale moment before they head into mm-hmm. all that real life stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it, it's <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. It's just, oh. I, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to like downplay oh. it either. Uh, yeah. Interpret it that way. <laughs> um. Well, no. Um. But I. I think it's you know you don't, especially at this point, you don't get to see the. There are all these rom-com stuff out there, but they aren't between two boys, especially yeah. two teenage boys. So this is their moment to have that. 
And, you know, it's kind of interesting. In a different context, I've been thinking about um, all of these remakes that they're making of movies like Ghostbusters and now Ocean's Eleven with female casts. And it's not that, you know, Hollywood, I mean, Hollywood is out of ideas in a lot of respects, but it's like, it's a chance to give, like, females a chance to have these action roles. Yep. You know, and I think this is the same kind of thing. It's a chance for these two gay characters to have this traditional fairy taleish romance that you don't see. Yeah, and you actually start seeing it more now on television and in books and, and everywhere. And just, like, mm -hmm. I think those two did a lot to just push that forward and to make people aware of it and, and make people want those stories. And, and um I think it's also a good way for like television to see that people actually do watch those stories and love those stories, and that there's um, yeah, that there's an audience for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. It's something that Darren always used to say. It's that it's not that it you know you're rooting it for it because it's you know a gay couple and you've never seen it on TV. It's that you really love these characters. Yeah. You want to be happy, and you want them to have this happy ending. So it doesn't. It isn't about the gay part of it, you know, in that, in the story part of it. It's about the, the relationship that you love. Yeah. And that's really what, what makes it so good a lot of the time, that they get, like, normal stories. It's not all about, like, coming out and, and, and everything. It's a love story. Like, anyone else would get. We get the fairy tale. We get the everyday arguments. Like yeah. all those little things. It would have been great if we could get a lot more. Yeah. Well, maybe they they're going to do a reunion in ten years. Like everyone's doing that now. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. Were we talking about that yesterday, Allie? I don't remember if it was you and me and the other group, but how like, or maybe it was the time before. I've done so many podcasts this week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we were talking about as much as a, a ten year reunion would be fun. I don't think Chris Colfer would ever come back for it, and I don't want them to, like, ruin Clayne. So, it's, it's, you know, unless both Darren and Chris were on board, I, you know, hold off on that idea. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, give it 10 years. Maybe he's going to change his mind in 10 years. I, who knows? <laughs> I'll hold on to your optimism. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's wait until, um, see what's in Nia's book before we start talking about whether this cast will want to come back and work with each other. <laughs> Exactly. I'm <laughs> feeling there might be some interesting insights in that. Um, getting back to the dance, though, it's mm -hmm. not just the, the Blaine moment, but when they start dancing, too, yeah. I love... Kurt kind of gives this look to the crowd, like, mm -hmm. screw you guys. Like, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, dance with my man over here. Yeah. And, and then this really intimate look they share between the two of them, and it's, they kind of, it starts to go off camera, but there's this very sweet, like... <laughs> Very romantic moment. And it, I love how like uh, Kurt keeps watching the crowd a bit longer, and and Blaine starts uh, like really getting into the dance, like <laughs> the music. It's just so cute. It is. Oh, and I have like um, sorry, I was just, it's one of my go-to scenes whenever I'm putting together videos or anything like that. Definitely mm. one of the number one picks. <laughs> and then they, they, then uh, Blaine twirls Kurt as Rachel's getting twirled onto mm. the dance floor, mm -hmm. but. 
um, jumping back real quickly, I want to quickly make it a point because Santana and Mercedes are are singing the song, yeah. and Mercedes does look really hesitant as she starts singing because it's with the Karofsky part of it. Yeah, and she is she there's a look of worry on her face for him. I, I do think she's looking out for him too. So yeah, okay. but everything about Dancing Queen was just. Like we had that amazing moment between the two of them. Mercedes and Santana always sound amazing when they sing together. Yeah. We've got all of the new directions, having fun and being silly, it's, it's, and the prop photos, and you know, yeah, a really. really I great love thing. that Queens is by herself yeah. because yeah. her story has been so much about having a man with her, that the fact that she's standing there by herself is a big thing. It's amazing. I wish Quinn would have ended up, like, alone at the end of the series, but, well, kind of everything, but that's a great moment, yeah. And she doesn't look unhappy. No. She looks like she's having a good time. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, all of the prom pictures are really adorable. Kurt and Blaine's is just super adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go, prom queen. <laughs> so do you guys have any other thoughts, anything that you wanted to go touch upon before we wrap it up? Or? No? Um, um, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for, for joining me. It, it's the, uh, that's prom queen there. So. My brother will be there at the waves upon the tropical Abilities, let you out half the little seas. Rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born this no. way. So raise your glass if you are wrong in all the right ways. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. Somewhere only we know We taught the world new ways to